it's Cofield and Company. What do you think about the pirate who's got flair? I, I, I am down with the handsome pirate. Like the, the <laughs> handsome, handsome pirate. I'm down with the handsome pirate. I, wait, wait a second. I am wearing a shirt that says Drunky McDrunkers. <laughs> it's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. We're funny? Eh, maybe here and there. I actually did just check right before he came back on if my shirt was inside out. I've had a habit of doing that lately. I'm kind of running right before the show. There's a lot of intensity. Right, Ari? We're fired up before the show, so I was running out. To get here to the cannery, we got here on time. We've done three hours. we got another hour on the way, and then we're sticking around for the beginning of the hockey game. Come on down. Victory's Bar and Grill. This property's awesome. It really is. There's great restaurants here. More and more of the casino is opening up. We'll tell you about the other restaurants uh, a little later in the hour, but we're at Victory's Bar and Grill. This is where we're hanging. They got a Build-A-Burger special. It starts at 5 bucks. You got happy hour specials, 2 bucks on domestics, 3 bucks on imported, dollar hot dogs, and we got Golden Knights hockey. I mean, what's going on here? Wait, what's going on here? I I hear Europe in the background. Yeah. Is that – wait, is Ari playing that, or they just happen to play it in the – do they know? It's here. Oh, they're just playing in the casino. It's a big game night. <laughs> yep, let's do it. Big five time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. Got to calm down. We only do that for game seven. Can't, can't be ripping out final countdown for game five, but it's a big game, no doubt. Stormy Bonatoni is going to join us from the Fortress in about 25 minutes. You know, uh, Ari picked up on a uh, good, young, aggressive, creative host that's uh, hosting in town. Uh, he happens to be hosting the morning show over at VSIN. Ari with a pat on the back. Movie poll this morning as you're doing the show with uh, Ari, Ari's good friend, Mitch Moss. John was asking this morning if I'm going to watch a movie. We were just screaming about Rocky and Rocky IV. Uh, if I'm going to watch a movie for the first time, which should it be? Naked Gun, Major League, Shawshank Redemption, or Caddyshack? Yep. Uh, Ari, you said the... The results were surprising. How so? Uh, I well, I, there's no question. I click on it and I'm like, it's going to be Major League, because I'm sorry, sports people, but sports Twitter can be very one-dimensional into sports. Um, I used to do a show over here across the hall, and all they could ever talk about was Major League and do references to Major League, and it's just, it's exhausting. So yeah, I just you, assumed, me, you always told me that like those were some of the dumbest hosts you've ever worked with. Wow. So isn't John different? Wow. John's more nuanced. That is well, a, it doesn't mean my false. followers are. That's a good point. You didn't. You weren't voting. Yeah. The followers were. Yeah. Um, I voted for Caddyshack. Okay. It's a second choice. I'm a little surprised by the winner. Shawshank? Yeah. I mean, there's still time on the poll, but it looks like it's a runaway favorite at this yeah. point right 46%. now. 46%. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Well, I, I got to watch Shawshank Redemption this weekend. Oh, you the you guys actually it. follow through when you do movie topics? You actually watch them? <laughs> yes. I, will. I already told I already told Isabel when I got home after the morning show, I was like, looks like Shawshank Redemption is a runaway favorite. So, uh you're watching this movie with me. Uh, about a year ago, uh, Adam Hill and I were talking about this, and I said he needed to watch the Stallone movie, Victory, which is about a soccer team uh, during World War II. American soccer team pulls an upset against the Germans. They escape and everything. And uh, he was like, yeah, you know, the movie that I liked as a kid was the – I forget what the title was, but it was like a Pete Maravich movie. And I'm like, yeah, I'll watch that. And then I went home, and it was like $4.99. I'm like, nope, I'm out. Yeah. I think he, I think he paid for Victory, too. <laughs> really? So my idea was, 
not only to watch Shawshank Redemption, but live tweet it as I watched it for the first time. So, Could really upset people about uh, saying uh, how dumb it is. Also, well, and here's the thing. So, because trust me, I am smarter than I look and, and act uh, like. I know how to push the buttons properly. You do. So, uh, like, for example, when I when I dropped the nugget that uh, my wife was the one who forced me to watch Goodfellas, I got so many angry tweets about that. <laughs> Your wife's making you watch Goodfellas. What is that? <laughs> you know? <laughs> what's that? Or, By the way, what's the voice? I don't know. Like, misogynistic <laughs> Twitter guy. Yeah. Um, or the fact that I, I dropped with Shawshank Redemption. I was like, oh, I've seen it. It was a great Family Guy episode. That 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 got people uh, very upset, too. It was a great Family Guy episode, by the way. And I was throwing, like, 20 movies this morning, and five of them I know the plot because of Family Guy. Number four. Uh, ben Simmons. Poor Ben Simmons, but he kind of did it to himself. Got to improve the game. You know, he's passing on layups, dunks. Didn't shoot in the fourth quarter for, like, four straight games. Can't make a free throw. It's Philly. They're crazy. Stephen A. worked in Philly, so he's crazy about this. Man, this is – it's it's exhausting, and it's from – that's me, not Ben Simmons, who's at the center of this. Here's Stephen A. this morning talking a little more about Ben Simmons. I just received a text from somebody very, very close to the situation in Philadelphia about Ben Simmons. This is a quote. This is not me. This is them. Quote. He doesn't work, he doesn't listen, and everyone around him is family, and he's constantly babied. Uh-oh. Those are all not good things. Very negative. Now, no trade value now? No, that's not true at all. <laughs> I mean, obviously, like, there would be a lot of teams who would sign up for Ben Simmons. Yes. Um, now, what you get back, right? I see Zach Lowe of ESPN put it on his podcast very well. The Bradley Beal and Damian Lillard's of the world are not available anymore. That's why the new deal has been C.J. McCollum, not Damian Lillard. They're not available, not For, because they've been pulled off in general. They're not available in a Ben Simmons deal. In a Ben Simmons deal. Well, right. then, you know what? I, I'm, if C.J. McCollum is where it starts, then I'm keeping him. I'm fixing I'm fixing Ben Simmons. Well, and that's, I think, not, that's not the return I want. Well, I I'm think not selling him low. I think, like, C.J. McCollum's a fine player. It's if I'm the Philadelphia 76ers, I need a dynamic ball-handling point guard who could score at all three levels, finish, and pass. That's not what C.J. McCollum is. C.J. McCollum is like a souped-up version of Seth Curry or Danny Green, right? He's And he's not even a good defensive piece, right? So he's a mix of the two. But he's a jump-shooting two-guard. That's not what you need. You need a ball-handler who can run pick-and-rolls for you and who can work well with Joel Embiid. And while C.J. McCollum might work a little bit off-ball, I just don't know if that's what the 76ers have at the top of the list in terms of positional fit. The Lakers would be the place for him. I think Magic is right. It needs to come from a veteran player, that kind of mentorship. Someone like LeBron James could do it. It has to have someone with real gravitas who has a game similar to his to take him under his wing and say, oh, this please. is how it's done. Oh, Max. please. Max. He's represented that's by Clutch Sports. Just... That's close enough to LeBron James. They talked. Well, that's not enough. Like that's not going to fix him because they talked. But the, the front end of that. Stop with the Lakers. They're not getting Ben Simmons. Can you? No, let me just ask. I would love to ask Max. What does that offense look like with LeBron James, Ben Simmons, and Anthony Davis? You know how bad the spacing would be with that. Like, what would he, what would Ben Simmons do? He would have no role in an offense like that. He's going to play. He's just going to play off ball and just sit there and rebound the whole time. Like that's what you're going to trade for. That's ridiculous. Number three. Well, John, draft lottery going down in the NBA tonight. Another year where there's no players after the top five. Reportedly, one of the deepest drafts, I think, ever, right, like, I guess. Right. 
like one report put it that it was all we need is a top five pick and we're good. <laughs> like, yeah. like they'll be fine with whatever in whatever order it falls as long as you get within the top five. It's also a misnomer. Every year there's players who go after the top five who turn out to be excellent players. You guys, we're, we're looking we're looking at semifinals right now where the teams are dotted with guys who were not top. Top five players who are great players. You guys were looking at me like I was crazy two weeks ago when I was just drooling over the 2018 NBA draft. Like I was going through pick uh, after pick after I pick. I looked at you pick. going crazy because you did like four minutes on Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown's incredible. He's, You're doing it again. He's awesome. But like the 2018 draft, there's yeah. there, there are, and this is, I know people use this incorrectly all the time. There are literally 15 to 17 guys that are quality starters in this league in that draft alone. And that doesn't include the tertiary role players in that as well. Yeah. So these dra- like if this draft's relatively deep, all of them are going to be pretty deep. You must find gems. Cade Cunningham could be the number one pick. Could be. Suggs from Gonzaga, very highly touted. Mitchell, top ten guy. Uh, it would be very interesting to see what happens with the uh, better of the two Mobleys, who's a legit seven-footer, you know? What happens now? It's Evan, correct, is the, the better one? Yes. What happens to legit seven-footers now? I mean, if they have a face-up game, then right, yeah. But there's, a, but you know, but, I mean, the look, NBA is leery about it. If you're, you know, if you're anything, you better, you better have face-up skills, and on, you better be able to defend almost all five positions. Onyeko Kongwu is is a really good piece for the Atlanta the Atlanta Hawks, and you know, he's not exactly an offensively gifted he's center. Closer to six eight six nine though. Right, but you know, he's just he's more of a true like big type rebound, and not much in terms of skill. But he's got some minutes. And anyone who wanted to crap on last year's draft. I will say, I, I, I'll do this, actually. I have to be one of the only guys in the country who started telling you eight months before the draft that the number one pick had to be LaMelo Ball. And if you're a Warriors fan, you better root that you get the number one pick. Then it falls the right way, and the Warriors don't take him. And then he wins rookie of the year. Yeah, missed Playing me with, 31 games. Missing with the Anthony Played Edwards 49. deserved it, too, by the way. LaMelo Ball deserved it. Oh, yeah. There's been a lot of, how could you do it? Like, watch Anthony Edwards play the first, like, 35 games of the year. Number two. The hated sports radio guy pat on the back. Because after one year, I clearly got it right on the mellow ball. Yes, I'm annoying, but I was calling for him to be the number one pick. And you also hated be... Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, I did, yeah. There's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys. That might prove to be true. Well, I but I never brought up character. And I never brought up where. Well, you just mentioned as a player. I never brought up wear and tear, which always should now be the case with picking a running back top five. Yeah. I don't know why. I'm, I'm arguing for you work. against me. I don't That's know right. why I'm doing that. Uh, top two stories. Uh, how good is Devin Booker? I think he's really good. Okay. Is he like top five player in the league? Good. It, could he be an all-time NBA player? Just play a little Stephen A again here. I know he's trying to plant the flag, but I'm not comfy with this flag. I think this is too much. Devin Booker is the next Kobe Bryant. Yep, yep. I'm saying it on national television. Devin Booker it said it. is the yes. next yeah. Kobe Bryant. Yeah. It no is kidding. official. His first and they, okay, playoff. And they and they all agree. They're like, yep, 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 yep. To the point where he can't finish saying Kobe Bryant. Yep, 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 yep. Stop. Wait, you, Stop. If you, if you Stop. The, if you listen to the Stop. whole clip. Wait, hold on. Let me do a little Stephen A. Play, play it again. Play, play the beginning of the cut again. Devin Booker. Is the next Kobe? Yep. Ah, please! Ah, please! Ah, please! Am I doing all right? Come on. Yeah. It's the next Kobe Bryant? Well, he's been tied to Kobe because they were close. 
Oh, and Co Kobe was a mentor. So I think that's why you get this like tie all the time. We missed, I, I think we buried the lead of this clip, by the way, which is like about 10 seconds later where Max tries to take credit for that take by saying, what did I say three months ago? He's a mini Mamba. Like, oh no, he tried <laughs> he to call him on they're, 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 they're battling on who gets credit for, he's an ex Kobe Bryant. No, but like, he's uh, a mini Mamba. Devin Booker's a really good player. Devin Booker is an elite mid-range scorer. It's you're seeing how good he can be. It, he, his first triple double of his career comes in Game One of the Western Conference Finals. He's an insanely talented player, but we do this all the time with elite guys. Why can't Devin Booker just be Devin Booker? Why can't Kevin Durant just be you know Kevin Durant, or as I like to call him, the Slim Reaper? Why can't he just be that guy, as opposed to just whatever the next rate? Every every next kid that comes out who's incredible is going to be the next LeBron. It doesn't have to be. He can just be the next kid. And the same thing with Devin Booker. He's Devin Booker. And he's going to be a really good player. And I think there is potential for him to be one of the best players we've seen. You see it in his game. He's definitely one of the best scorers we've seen. He could definitely be up there by the time he reaches the end of his career. Number one. Well, it doesn't look like your guy's going to play tonight in net. Unless oh. something crazy happens. Looks like it's going to be Flurry. <laughs> I thought you meant Marcus Morris. Uh, <laughs> I was like, no. Leonard, Leonard, <laughs> Leonard saved the day in game four. Got the series even. I like the matchup, Leonard against the Canadians, but uh, it appears, based on uh, the shenanigans of uh, morning skate and practice, whatever they do in the morning, that uh, Fleury is going to be the guy. Are you mad? No. Okay. Because Fleury will ultimately implode. No. Um, no, look, this is, as I mentioned, do I think that Leonard should be the guy going forward for forever now? No. But I just think we should see more of him. We should see a little bit more of an even split between the two. It was what carried them through the regular season when they were both available, and it's what you should do going forward. Marc-Andre Fleury, as great as he is, he's an older guy. And when you start to see the workload increase as you go through the postseason, you saw the mistakes increase, right? So just give him some time off. You got him a night off. That's great. So put him back out there today when he's back at home in a more comfortable environment. I just think that you should see Leonard again here probably right afterwards and just start to even the time up. In this series, if they were up 3-2, you'd bring him back for game six? Yeah. Really? You'd go back to the rotation? Why not? Wow. Groundbreaking. He, he was great. Right. I mean, he was great the last game. Why wouldn't you? How would fans react? How would Flurry fans react? Uh, they would freak out. They would freak out. Uh, let's see. Leonard has uh, been terrible, always and forever. I mean, come on. How do you even take something like that seriously? What do you mean? There's people in the stands that I are know, holding up signs. But how do you write that? He's been terrible. Always and forever. Uh, DeBoer is a clown, and this organization has zero loyalty. Flower has been the glue that has kept this team together all season long. And once again, another sword in his back at Grandpa Vegas, to which Lynn's Math 29 responded, could have said it better. <laughs> <laughs> God, this is I, – I mean, I say it's silly, but I, I thoroughly enjoy it now – I hope it's not doing any negative damage to Robin Leonard. He did mention that he's motivated by it. Yeah. It's negative damage, yeah. Uh, negative damage. Yeah, right. That's, that's, that's positive. That's, that's I'm good. really pounding home the fact that it's not good. Damage is usually negative. He, he has been clear about the fact that he hears people talking about this. So would you tell fans who are acting like this, cut it out? Yes, shut up. You even saw again. See, this is the other thing, too. I'm not the most skilled hockey viewer, Okay. But I watched that game. And if your immediate response after they go up one nothing is, Leonard, you clown, what's going on? 
Watch more high. Shut up. What was the high danger chances at that point? Were probably eleven nothing, twelve right. nothing. If you want, if you know a single thing about this sport, and you watch that game and watch them go down one nothing, and your immediate response is to go to Twitter and type out Leonard, you're a moron. That's it. You're a moron. It's the stupidest thing I've seen. We're uh, waiting for the decision on uh, Chandler Stevenson. Uh, we'll get Flurry official probably towards the end of the hour. We're going to check in in about 15 minutes with Stormy Bonatoni over at the Fortress. Game five is here. These games are massive in these seven-game series. Let's see if the Knights can get it done against the Canadians who are more than hanging around. What a freaking thorn on the side in a 2-2 series. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. John Montobo, Cofield, puck drop, a little after 6 o'clock. Golden Knights going for the win in Game 5. Need to take the lead in the series, get control. Well, technically they have control. They've got home ice, but you got to deliver on it. Story going into the game, who's going to start? It looks like it's Flurry. Leonard, nice fill-in job last time around. The rivalry with the fans, I listen, everyone's got their favorites. I think it gets to be a little bit juvenile, but one – I uh, do know that Robin Leonard is seeing what people are saying about him. Fire that. I get up my own bus, come four hours early. I sat for two hours and watch you guys talk on Twitter on me, you know, to get me motivated. And, uh, um, you know, it was great, you know, just to see all what you guys had to say. And I don't care what people think. It's great motivation for me. All right. So he seems to be dealing with it in a positive way. So that that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um now, I, I, I will mention to people, it it seems like these guys get along, so I don't know why you're like, why you're trying to create a rift or why you don't like flurry fans and le- whatever, right. both sides. Uh, here's Leonard just talking about being a team. I have a lot from the team, my teammates and uh, my coaches, and me and Flower has gotten really close this year, you know, supporting each other, and we don't care about the noise. So it's just great motivation for me. Uh, it was very enjoyable on Twitter today. And uh, thank you guys very much for giving me that that motivation. All right. So on the line about, you know, me and Flower have gotten close this year. Does that get people to back off? Like, they're cool. They're cool with the arrangement. No, of course not. Why? They're saying one one of the guys is saying they're cool. Right. But people don't think logically when it comes to something like that. They just think, I like my guy. He should be there. They don't, they don't care about personal. It's why you have people in the stands holding up signs for the starting goaltender. We want the other one back, even though you support the team that he's on. It's why you have people, I'll never understand, tweeting at the guy, telling yeah, him that, that he sucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is I want what I want. Even if statistically the other guy is actually the better option for that game. It's ridiculous. Stats, schmats. Right. And it, but, but no, no one is looking at analytics when deciding on which goalie should play that night or it, play in a series of games. But it's just, it's so dumb. It's so dumb, man. Because, again, especially with, we have talked about this with Robin Leonard, his background, everything that has gone into his journey up to this point. That too. <laughs> and you just want to consistently just crap on the guy for no reason. Other than the, and that's the thing, he's good. 
That's the other part about this that is so just mind-numbingly stupid. He's actually good at what he does. He's good. He's your future. He's going to be a big part of the franchise in coming years. So what what purpose does it serve to freaking send him stuff directly? He sees it. He said he sees it. Yep. Cut it out. And it's not just Vegas, people. Oh, no. So there's two D-baggy things about what I'm about to read to you right now. Okay. So one, Keith Olbermann. Read, no, that's not number one. No, that's not number one. <laughs> the, the first thing is, instead of quote tweeting the report that Leonard is going to play for Las Vegas, he screenshots the tweet and then sends the photo out. Just give Elliot Friedman the credit. Just retweet the tweet, okay? What did he say? It was just Leonard for LV. So he quote tweets, or he sends out the picture, and above it says, now that it's official, this is a disastrous, recriminatory move that will send the Golden Knights home. Not quite. The can't, next he day, came, he came through. The first response, and the next day, it is a gif of a panda splashing around in mud from Robin Leonard. <laughs> he sees it. He's using the motivation. He's having fun with it. We get out to the fortress next. Uh, Stormy is nice enough to join us, and she'll tell us what's going on at the arena. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, yeah, I have seen it. Uh, it's been played pretty regularly in the NHL playoffs here, but uh, I'm sure glad he chose hockey. Uh, yeah, his acting looks pretty forced. It's time for VGK ringside reporter Stormy Bonantoni on Cofield and Company. All right, here we go. We go out to the Fortress. We got game five on tap. A lot of things to get into. Knights, in some ways, fortunate to be Tied in the series. It's been such a topsy-turvy series. It's been crazy. Right, Stormy? Yes, 100%. And I love that welcome back with the Nick Holden soundbite on Petro's commercial. That's a great way to get into this segment. Yeah, what's going on there? What's going on there with Holden? (laughs) Well, he's just, if there's anybody that's going to be funny but honest in a great way, it's that guy. And, no, Petro's commercial is fun. I actually asked Eric England the other day who had a better car commercial him or Petro, and he said, cash, actually, his son probably wins it. Oh, wow. Will you pick a side on the car commercials? What do you think? You know what? I'm going to have to stay neutral. I can't, uh, you know, the the, <laughs> the old and the new regime of the Golden Knights can't go against either one. I feel like uh, England in general has had more exposure now with multiple commercials, so we've got to see more of him, and he's he's developed his chops over time. I just like that in Petro's commercial, he says, Hi, I'm Alex Petrangelo of the NHL. Silky yeah. smooth. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, so what's the environment like right now? We're, uh, you know, about half an hour or so, 45 minutes away from uh, puck drop. So is it getting crazy? Yeah, so far so good. Actually, as you were asking that question, the Golden Knights were walking from their locker room out through the tunnel and onto the ice for warm-ups. And they did their normal pregame screaming and hysterics and are getting in the mode and I mean, the, fan, the building's already loud. I think that's the best part about game day is everybody gets here early and stays late and makes it a, a party from before the pups drop. So, uh, yeah, environment is good. Energy is good. And the Golden Knights looking to get an edge in the series tonight. I mean, how cool is Stormy? She's, like, right there next to the players. This is crazy, and she's on live radio. <laughs> Legitimately five feet away from them when they were walking out. So, yeah, we're getting all of the up-close and personal behind-the-scenes action on the radio today. How much, not to go negative, but uh, how much do you, does it suck to not be in Montreal, to not be able to travel, to see all the high drama that unfolded there? 
So I actually do get to travel. Ooh, um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. Um, it's unfortunate, though, that, that other people can't and that their building isn't full and, and fun. It's actually pretty interesting, though, because there is such limited fan attendance. When the Montreal fans are screaming and chirping, like, you can hear every word that they're saying. Like, the guys on the ice as they're leaving between, uh, between periods, walking back to the room, can hear every word that's being screamed at them from the people that are close up. So that's definitely fun and different. Um, but Montreal, it's, it's a little bit weird because the team on the off day is stuck in a hotel. They're not even allowed to go outside for a walk or anything. Like, the way that the Canadian government has it up is very, uh, very tight. So um, a lot of protocols need to be followed, but just happy that the games can be played there. How quiet was the building after the wild goal in overtime? Oh, my gosh. So, honestly, one of my favorite parts of the experience being there is obviously Max Pacioretty um, gets booed every time he touches the puck. And so he's getting booed, booed, booed as loud as possible in the corner and then passes it up to Wazi, and all of a sudden the crowd goes from booing so harshly to just being dead silent. <laughs> Stormy Bonatoni's on with us. Uh, Von Tobel, you got something? No, I think you're, you're prompting me. I wanted to ask you about, we were just talking about the, the war between the fans, you know, the Flurry fans and the Leonard fans, and a lot of people get on Leonard. I just wanted you to talk about their relationship because we played some bites from Leonard who's like, yeah, we've helped each other. We, we're, we're having a good year. We like each other. And I wish that would come across to the fans. Like, it doesn't have to be a Leonard against Flurry thing. No, not at all. And, I mean, you heard from Max Pacioretty after Leonard's start the other night that, throughout this entire season and throughout this postseason specifically where Fleury's been starting the majority of the game, that like he's been the number one cheerleader in the room. He's had such a positive attitude. Him and Flower talk about, you know, different players' tendencies and then talk through situations and they've become friends. And even I sat next to Mark Andre for um, this past game when he wasn't playing and every time Leonard made a save, he's out there banging his glove on the glass and when the game was over and the Golden Knights won, he was the first guy freaking out in the hallway um, and meeting the teammates in the hallway when they came down. So they're very, they're very, um, you know, in it together. And while they're obviously both super competitive guys, want to be the starter, like they understand the situation and um, they, they're partners and they have become friends. And the cool thing to me about Leonard is that I mean that's a really tough job to be a top 10 goalie in the league and be sitting regularly because the guy in front of you has been so good. And I think a lot of people fan wise had that shock to the system. Why are we sitting our Vezina trophy finalist goaltender? Well, it's because he needs some rest. And um, he's shown time and time again that when he does come back after a few days off, he's usually really sharp and he's had a couple miscues, obviously the misplay that turned the game into overtime and an eventual loss in game three. So um, it was something that Pete DeBoer felt like he needed, and both guys are supportive of each other, and the team is obviously 100% confident with either guy in net because it's like it's not even 1A and 1B. It's like 1A and 1A.5, you know? So to that point, Stormy, do you think we see more of Leonard in the postseason going forward? I, I think that it's entirely possible, um, especially just because Marc-Andre Fleury has played so many games. I, I wouldn't be completely shocked if you went to a almost – I mean, and I know it's very unconventional, but I wouldn't be completely shocked if you went to a little bit of a rotation, maybe more so moving forward if both guys continue to play sharp, if it makes Marc-Andre Fleury better to rest today. And you know that Leonard has proved that he can come in and be sharp, then I don't see any problem with it. But at the end of the day, it's Pete DeBoer's decisions. And I know fans and we as media 
are out here, you know, judging every decision that Pizza Boar makes and wondering why are you doing this and get all riled up. And then ultimately you see the result and he seems to keep making the right decisions. So I'm going to put trust in whatever DeBoer goes with because it seems to be working. So, Stormy, one of the things that has stuck out to me, if you look at some of the even strength numbers, the Canadians have been all over them in the first periods of these games for the most part. Have you talked to DeBoer and the team about that? Have they mentioned that, why the Canadians seem to be kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, dominating them statistically and even strength when it comes to these first periods? First periods, they just seem to have a lot of jump. And Pete DeBoer has said that he's noticed that throughout this postseason, that they try to come out strong, and that's something that they need to work at is, the Golden Knights have had really good second periods throughout this playoff, but they haven't been ready from the drop of the puck as much as they'd like. And then, oddly enough, the one game where they outshoot the Canadians like 17-4 to or whatever it was in the first period in Game 3, they ultimately don't get a goal out of the first period, and they're chasing, and they get flustered. And then by the time they get to overtime, they don't have the same gas and burst that they put in the first period. So that's definitely something that the VGK are looking to, that they've identified and they want to improve at. But especially after, you know, a five-hour flight yesterday and the, the travel of going back and forth to Montreal, like the Golden Knights are the only team this postseason that have been in Pacific, Mountain, Central, and the Eastern time zone. And going back and forth isn't the easiest thing in the world. Obviously, Montreal is going through it as well. But if you see a little bit of that sluggishness in the first period, I wouldn't be 100% surprised if that's kind of what you get in some instances in those first periods in Montreal. And Hopefully not here. Hopefully that the, the 18,000 plus in the building will give them a little bit of pop early. Last one, Stormy. Massive roar just a couple of minutes ago when uh, Chandler Stevenson uh, <laughs> out on the ice. I mean, hey, this is a big deal, especially with how much trouble that first line has uh, had getting off. No question. And, you know, we learned from the suspension that Chandler Stevenson had earlier in the regular season, right, that that role, while, you know, Nick Waugh, Alex Tuck, whoever's been up there has done an admirable job, it's just not the same. Like, Chandler Stevenson isn't plug-and-play on that top line anymore because of the chemistry um, that he's developed with Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone. For whatever reason, it's just something a little bit different. The word that we always hear talked about is just the speed he brings, but it's still just it's a different thing. He knows where they're going to be. They know where he's going to be and, like, the mindset that he has to do certain things, and it just clicks for whatever reason. Plus, with him back in the lineup, it's kind of a similar thing that when you brought Max Pacioretty back at the end of the Minnesota series, where it just changes the complexion of the lineup and it slots guys back in where they're supposed to be. Like Alex Tuck creating that mismatch, that mismatch on the third line with Yanmark and Waugh is a difference maker, I think, particularly in a series like this. So all good things for Steve-O to be back out there. We owe you many stormy pizzas with loaded with uh, <laughs> onions and, and peppers and I think pepperoni on there, so... You're awesome. You are a warrior. It's so freaking loud there. Thank you for doing the spot. Awesome. You guys are awesome. Appreciate you. And whatever pizza you get, just make sure there's extra cheese. All the extra cheese, too. That's right. <laughs> All right. We got the order correct. Thanks, Stormy. Bye, guys. Thank you. Holy moly, it's loud there. Yeah. How cool is that? I thought it was. I thought Ari was playing music the whole time. <laughs> All right, we'll react to what Stormy was saying. Also, uh, as you heard, to repeat some of the headlines there, Flurry is the goalie. Chandler Stevenson is back. The show never ends. Watch the Cofield and Company Late Night Pod tonight at 9 o'clock on YouTube or at Steve Cofield on Twitter. New Orleans, Tennessee, mm-hmm. that's it. in Tampa. It. Right. Tampa he signed with, so that that's over there. So now we're, so now we're down to New Orleans and Tennessee. And based on how he said it, and because of the relationship with Rabel, he could say that to Rabel because they boys. And so I think it was Tennessee. 
You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Keyshawn on the way back, our morning show, national morning show. Uh-oh. Got Ben Wallace, Big Ben, up on the screen, shaking his head. All right, so they just raced through picks 14 to 5 in the lottery. Were you keeping track of what the heck was going on there? Because that was fast. I uh, got, let's see, Warriors 14, Pacers at 13, Spurs at 12, Hornets at 11, Pelicans at 10, Kings at 9, Magic at 8, Warriors at 7, Thunder at 6, and Magic at 5. Sounds like the Magic got a little screwed there, getting 5 and 8. Yeah, at least 5. Warriors got 7 and 14. Yep. Because the uh, Timberwolves pick, of course. What's the word I'm looking for? Transfers, I guess. Over okay. to the uh, Warriors. So remaining teams. This is going on live as we're tracking it. So Rockets, Pistons. Rockets, Pistons, Raptors, and Cavs. So the Raptors are the biggest mover up. Yes. They had, I'll pull it up right now, they had somewhere in the range of like a 9% chance wow. at a top top overall pick. And at a top four pick, they had a 31.9% chance. So the Raptors. And a 7.5% chance for number one overall selection. The Raptors with Kyle Lowry, probably on the move now. If they're going to get a top four pick, there's all these point guards available. Well, he's going to be free agent. And, and they've got, oh, he is free agent, yeah. okay. So he's Gonzo anyway. So, uh. You're drafting point guard, right? If that's best available, or you go big, will you go with Mobley? No, I think go. I mean, Fred Van Vliet is a serviceable guard at the point, so if, you know, depending on depends on, on where they land too. If they if they land correct. in the one spot and Kate Cunningham and, and Cunningham separates himself from everyone else, and you have to take him. Right. You know, you're not that's turning a, down. That's a positionless guy, really. You're not turning down Kate Cunningham for Fred Van Vliet, and okay. Fred Van Vliet works as a two. So. Suggs. There you can start to have the conversation. But, like, I, I like Fred Van Vliet because he's super, like, interchangeable between the two guard spots. So, if you like Jalen Suggs enough, you could still draft him, and Fred Van Vliet is perfectly part of your starting five. All right. Other guys who were considered top five potential, I mentioned Mobley. Yep. Uh, the better of the two brothers. Um, you know, Johnny Kaminga is actually a really interesting prospect. It's Joel Tomboy's brother. Mm-hmm. You know, Tomboy was at UNLV. He's 6'8", and uh, played on the, uh, the G League, whatever it is, the fire team. There's uh, Jalen Green, who's a kid out of Fresno. Yep. So there's some intriguing prospects here. And by the way, yeah, two of the two of the top you call them like seven prospects played in the G League. So uh, that is maybe the winds start shifting in the other direction. But Suggs, Mobley, Cunningham are like the top three guys. Then you get Kaminga and Green, and then after that it's you know Jalen Johnson, Scotty Barnes, a couple of the uh, guys overseas, Corey Kispert maybe. We'll see after that. But are you taking Corey Kispert? Top 10 pick? No. I mean, I think after the top, I'd argue, six, you kind of – that's when you start to get into the – Then your personnel people wouldn't know what they're doing. Right. There's always players. Of course. Right? I mean, Devin Booker, we're watching him tonight. He was the 13th pick in the draft. But the NBA draft is nowhere near like the NFL draft. Like, you get a sense of the way that these guys are going to go in the NBA, NFL draft, even, like, throughout the first round. Oh, yeah. The NBA draft, it's like – it's all drafted on projection and talent and ceiling and all this kind of stuff. Uh, here's what the lines look like for the Golden Knights. Is uh, puck will drop here in about 10, 12 minutes. You can hear the game over on Fox Sports Las Vegas, our sister station, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Uh, during the game, well, right now Ryan, the hockey guy, is on. Ryan Wallace, and then intermissions, post. Make sure you call in for the post. We'll be hanging here at the cannery. Got great food specials. You can do the build a burger special. Starts at just five bucks. 
So come on down. Victories. Sports Bar and Grill. Cannery is the spot. All right, here's what the lines look like. Okay, this feels good now. Right? It's familiar. Okay. Okay. Patches. Stevenson. Stone, if you missed it. Chandler Stevenson is back. Missed a couple of games. Concussion, maybe. We don't know. Marshy, Carlson, Smith. Then Tuck, back where you know, he can be super effective on the third line. Mm-hmm. Takwa, Janmark, and then Carrier, Nosik, and Reet Kolasar. Kolasar's really earned his his spot. No Reeves, huh? No. Martinez, Petrangelo, (laughs) McNabb, Theodore, Holden, dangerous, dangerous scorer, and White Cloud. And Flurry. Boom! Wow. Mad. We're all mad. If Leonard played, we're all mad. Right. F your mother. <laughs> what was that? Did you see that one on <laughs> no, social media? I'm sure it was out there. My God. Calm down. All right, so are you picking them big or not? Who's that? Knights. Tight game? I'll go 3-2 with Knights. By the way, we got a little uh, little more time before uh, puck drop. We're going off. But, uh, yeah, flip over to Fox Sports Las Vegas because they got some more time to get you ready for the game. Puck drops in about 19 minutes. So about 19 minutes. And it gives you plenty of time to get down here to the cannery. All right, Suns Clippers, what am I doing? So we got starting line. I have to bet. What are we doing? Um, I mean, it's up to – I haven't checked the number in a, in a minute. Let me see where it's at right now. I mean, if we're talking back up to like five and a half in that range, Clippers. Marcus Morris is playing. Now, they went more traditional. And, yeah, it's like four and a half. So, eh, sit back and watch better in-game opportunity. But Marcus Morris is back in the lineup, but they're starting Vince Zubac, which is a little weird. Patrick Beverly is going to be in the starting lineup as well. Pistons got the first overall pick, by the way. Um, so that's kind of a change that I don't love. I thought they would commit to the small ball. But regardless, you get Morris that is going to be on this roster. It's more shooting and more size. So still think they're going to stay within that number. Damn, you just drop that in there. Yeah. It's like breaking down the game. Pistons number one pick. Good for the Pistons. They got something. I look. I think they have do a lot. They of, have, do they have? Do they have? What are they building? If they get Cade Cunningham, what are they building? I mean, look. They, so, it, well, that's what's interesting is uh, they drafted the kid who. Uh, uh, wow. Why am I Killian Tilly, um, the young guard? So they have him. Uh, but one of their better pieces that they have that they drafted is you know, Sadiq Bay, who I freaking love. Like right now, just a three and D guy, forty percent shooter, is going to be really good in the NBA. I think for years to come. And they have a lot of other stuff. Remember, they drafted Sekou Namboya couple of years ago that they think could actually do something front court is actually they have like a really decent talented roster of youth and this is just going to add to it and then jeremy grant who's a good player but he doesn't fit like the super young timeline it'd be nice to see detroit be a factor again yeah i think they got the pieces but the, the problem is in the nba like the young pieces only get you so far for the most part unless you headed out of the park if you're the Atlanta Hawks, right? But even then, you could one could argue what pushed the Hawks forward this year. Clint Capella, Danilo Gallinari, and Bogdan Bogdanovich, right? Three really solid veterans that you add to the core of young pieces of Hunter, Trey Young, and Herter, and Collins. So while the young pieces are always going to be there for you, you know, once they start to develop, you got to be able to hit on some of the free agent signings to put around them. Rockets got two, Cavs got three, so I lost my plus 650 bet on the Cavs to get the number one pick. I don't know why I made that bet. Did you really? No, nah, I didn't make okay. the bet. 
Uh, Killian Hayes, by the way. I don't know why I say Killian Tilly. Killian Hayes. Tilly, uh, big man. Yes, yes. Uh, Killian uh, Hayes is the uh, young guy. But, no, they do have some stuff to work with. So, I think you're pretty happy if you're Detroit because future's pretty solid for you if you go forward with this uh, this core of dudes. So, you're going to watch basketball tonight. I'm sure you're going to watch some hockey. If sure. you have time, and uh, Ari, I advise you as well. I don't know if Ari's watched it already. Netflix has new show on. The hell's the name of it? This is Pop. I'm so in. I was watching some of it today on Boys to Men, which was a whole history about you know how they started out boy band and how big they got. Okay. Adam Hill's going to drive off the road here on that. But there was also... All right, did you actually see this yet or not with T-Pain? I saw the whole part of that. I didn't... Yeah. So explain to people what was happening with T-Pain. And I guess, uh, you know, T-Pain's the butt of the joke a lot. And yeah, I guess it's it, not I right, guess though. It, uh, I, I, Usher, I and he like he yeah. bumped into Usher at a, something a long time ago. And Usher was like, uh, you ruined music for us. <laughs> Without so, a And then he went into depression for several years because of that. See, John? All, all those times you mock on T-Pain? I, don't, I never mocked on T-Pain. Are you sure? Uh, I thought that wasn't you? No. Why would I ever mock on T-Pain? Well, if you want to feel better about yourself because you didn't mock on him. I did? No, I'm saying you didn't. No. You just said you didn't. So oh. now you can watch it. You can be like, hey, I, I wasn't, like part, of the, wasn't part of the mean crowd. All right, get over to Fox Sports Las Vegas. Hockey is up in just a couple of minutes. We'll see you.